0: COVID restrictions, things that are going on. We, we live in incredibly challenging and strange times. And this isn't news to anyone, but to lay the foundation, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic is still going, 262,000 deaths so far, uh, 100,000 new cases a day, hospitals are filling up around the nation. Economic pandemic continues to challenge us. Uh, uh, several businesses I know that have had to close again after being open for a while with the new government regulations, they're on the verge of going out, and many have gone bankrupt at this time. Potential, uh, something new, potential chaos in the political world, division strife. Uh, President-elect uh, Biden is getting ready to take over. Pro-Trump, uh, protests will be taking place in Washington, D.C., uh, on Uh, The 12th of December, wow, this is weird stuff. We knew after the election that things would be rocky. Things would be challenging, Uh, the dissension, the anger, and everything that was taking place uh, during that particular time uh, of the election. We knew something was coming. So for those of you who have been following our series uh, before the the, uh, election, we, we planned on doing something afterwards to encourage unity. And, and really, that's what we've done. We're in the third week of a series uh, about, about Jesus' message, Sermon on the Mount. We started the first week with, Blessed are the peacemakers. And, and that's what Christ followers are called to do. We're called to bring peace to the world, to dial down our rhetoric, to be able to respond to other people, to listen to other people as they go forward, to watch our hearts so that we're at peace, so we can bring peace to other people. That was that was really the first week. Uh, so we're we're continuing on in that series. It's on Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples uh, at that time. The first one uh, it comes out of the uh, verse verses in Matthew five. Uh, Blessed are a long list. He gathers his disciples together. And he, and he starts to remind them and, and to teach them how they're to live their lives here on this earth. Every time I uh, read over this, it reminds me how I'm supposed to live my life, even in the confusion of 2020 and uh, 2021 coming at us like a, like a freight train. He came to earth to establish his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And that's really what we're looking at in each of these things. How do we live in this spiritual kingdom and reality that Christ has put in front of us? Uh, He established it. He didn't come as a king to conquer with armies, swords, and destruction. Uh, He came not as a king in that regard. He came to establish a kingdom in the hearts of men, in the hearts of women. In our minds, our souls, and those are called to follow him. He came to set an example for us, us to apply to our lives, you know, so that we can be free from the chaos, the fear, the confusion that he had back in that day and, and that we have today. He's giving us a way to to live above, if you will, the storm and the confusion of life that's there. You know, when Jesus came to the Sermon on the Mount. He had been walking around uh, Israel, the Sea of Galilee, Judah, all the areas there, and he had been establishing himself. He had been gathering followers together. He would shown his power by healing the sick, cleansing lepers, uh, changing water into wine, um, all of these things he did uh, as he went reaching out, touching lepers and healing them, casting out demons. Uh, Commanding a raging sea, just to be calm, to stop. Uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, people were following him. They were hanging on his words. One of the last phrases in the Sermon on the Mount, people commented that he talked with authority. He, when he spoke, he spoke with certainty and confidence. He wasn't quoting other people. He wasn't uh, laying out a long scriptural argument. He was just presenting clear, honest truth about how to live our lives, and so uh, how that was back then. But it also applies to them in their times, which was also very confusing. Confusing, but it is also for us as we live on the main uh, the mean streets here in 2020. Uh, and the truth is, as I read his instruction in the Sermon on the Mount, I need instruction. So today as we do this third week, uh, we're, 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 we're going to continue. I said already the first week we did the uh, Blessed are the Peacemakers. So we're, go- we're going to take the next of that. In the second week, we looked at it. We said those who are poor in spirit. Jesus says blessed are those who know their true spiritual state. One of the things of deceptions of our age in 2020 is that we're all good people. That, that we have it all together. Uh, the truth is, Jesus says, that we. that truth is we're sinners. We fall short, we make mistakes, and we just need to be able to, to face those and do those. That was the second week. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. The next uh, week, we, we looked at this idea of poor and they're mourning over sin inside of our lives. And so that was that's where we started last week. We took a step aside. Dion talked about Thanksgiving and being thankful and everything for God's will is there. She did a great job. Now this week we're going to hit some really hard stuff. Matter of fact, for me this is the hardest part on the sermon, of the Sermon on the Mount, and actually it's the hardest place inside of my life in a day-to-day uh, experience that I have. Not only uh, with with church and government and everything else, but in personal relationships and with people. You know, Jesus came and and here's our talk for today, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. You know, Webster's dictionary says that meek is deficient in spirit and courage. Nothing there. Uh, Not violent, not strong. So in other words, so meek is is weak in, in spirit and courage and not strong and able to endure injury with patience and without resentment. This is challenging stuff as we do that. If we're honest, Jesus commands us to be meek. This is not a good deal as far as our human nature is concerned. Who wants to be deficient in power? Who wants to be deficient in our spirits, not strong? Who wants to wave our hand and sign up and say, okay, I can do some persecution here uh, without complaining or resentment. You know, all of these teachings of Jesus' commands, this is the hardest one. Most people, as as we go on, will choose to check out, to click off. Uh, whether it's mentally or actually if you're on internet, you can do that. Uh, On Sunday morning, if you're sitting in a tent outside with me, you're going to have to find an excuse to leave. But a lot of people find this teaching just too hard. And I want to remind everyone listening, uh, hearing, this is Jesus speaking. This is how to live our lives. It's not a multiple choice. It's kind of an all-or-nothing deal with him. He tells us, even in the pandemics and the confusion of 2020, how to live our lives, how to establish his kingdom in our heart. You know, when he came, uh, he came not as a king to conquer, but to change hearts, to establish his heart in our heart, his kingdom in our hearts, our minds, uh, for those who follow him. You know, in all the fear and chaos that was taking place then and now, he says that this is how to live. You know, he had all that going. In the sermon, Jesus shows his followers exactly what they're supposed to do. You know, for me, when I first heard Blessed are the Meek, it was challenging. I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, I was a a pilot. Uh, I was building a career. This is a stumbling block. I I started to investigate Christianity, and, and the first book I read was Matthew in the New Testament, five chapters in. I'm looking at Blessed are the Meek. That was opposite of what my image was and what I wanted to portray. Deficient in courage, uh, enduring injury, not defending myself, not being in control of my life. Wow. Get back. That's hard. That's hard if you stop to even think about it now and see what it really means. Uh, Back then I thought, I guess I've got to turn in my man card to be a Christian. And and actually, that supported an image that I had had uh, through much of my life, as far as Christians not being assertive, not being positive, not being powerful, you know. And so I, I was back from that. I I wanted to be seen as strong and independent. Each each of us, we want our rights. We live in an age of high self-esteem, self-achievement, recognition. Each wants to be seen as strong and independent, men and women. We want our rights. You know, we're we're taught to stand up for ourselves, to assert ourselves, to protect ourselves. Please, we don't want to be seen as a victim. And the N-word is now, we don't want anyone to bully us, to take advantage of us, to, to make us vulnerable. You know, we... We want to earn all the things that we have. But we don't want anyone to take advantage of us. It's human nature and training of this world. You know, it's natural. It is natural to reject Jesus' teaching based on on our human nature. You know, I needed more before I signed up, quite honestly. Uh, It stumbled me for some period of time. I continued to read and continued to learn. But but this was sitting back there is in what I call my too hard basket. There's verses and passages in the Scripture that are just too hard at that time. So I I put them in my too hard basket, and and this one, was one of them. Jesus must have been misquoted. He must have had a bad translation that told us that we were supposed to be meek as we went forward. But the the more I studied. And and to my shock, and actually chagrin at that time, was no, this is exactly what Jesus meant as far as being meek is concerned. Step down a couple of verses with me. He says, blessed are the meek, we've covered that one already, will inherit the kingdom of earth. But to make sure that his point was there, to make it as strong and as certain that exactly what he was saying to his followers uh, blessed are those who are persecuted. Oh, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When when others revile or insult you or persecute you or utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, because your reward in heaven will be great. They did the same thing to the prophets. You get what I'm saying here? He says if someone if someone trashes you on. On, on Facebook or or somewhere in public and insult you. you, you're you're to rejoice in it. You know when we're persecuted for righteousness' sake. If we're doing the right thing and we're taking hits, we should be happy about that. We should be blessed. You know uh, he takes away the the power of revenge. He says you've heard it said it's it's an eye for an eye as we go for it. But he says don't resist the evil one. If anyone slaps you, get ready. On one cheek, we're to turn the other cheek. If if someone asks for a cloak, a, a coat, give him your shirt, give him everything you've got. And if anyone wants you to go one mile with him, go two. If he forces you one, go two. You know, I was I was studying this, and I, I actually looked this up. It was a commentary I was reading, and they talked about what the rules were, the law was then. They said if a Roman soldier was marching with his with the troops, uh, his, his groups across town or across the country, they could grab a Jewish youth at any point. And the law was that that Jewish youth had to carry the soldier's pack and, and all his sleeping gear and everything else. He had to carry it for one mile. After one mile, the, the youth was free of his obligation by law, so, probably almost every circumstance they'd they'd count the steps for one mile at the end of one mile, they'd say, "Well, that's it, I'm done, and they throw it down and go on from there you know uh so that was the rule, but but Jesus changes that he says when when you're told to go a mile, volunteer with the right attitude, don't throw it down in anger say." Can I carry your pack another mile? Man, that that's challenging stuff. That, that, that last part of as we go. Do that. If they force you to go, go two miles with it. With a positive attitude. That's Jesus' instructions to his followers. The Jews hated the Romans. They did that. Uh, for sure, because the Romans were suppressing them and taxing them and, and taking advantages of them. Uh, but Jesus says, don't resist the evil. Uh, go further than is required of you. If Whatever it takes, have and do it with a good attitude. Human beings, myself included, we don't like that. I fight from, from my human nature uh, when I feel like I'm being wronged. My freedom is being taken away. It's some, a battle inside me. I want to push back against uh, Governor Newsom's curfew, his orders, controlling where, when, and how we can meet, how many people can get together for Thanksgiving dinner. To be honest, I think that's common for all of us to push back. It's not turn the other cheek and go the extra mile. If we look around our nation, we are pushing back almost everywhere. We push back against social distancing, against wearing face masks. Many churches, restaurants, businesses are just saying we're not following the guidelines. We're going to push back. We're not going to be meek. We're not going to go the extra mile. We're not even going to go the first mile in these situations. Even in the uh, middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, the use of the face mask has become a political statement, not a scientific public health issue People refuse to wear masks, even when they've been shown scientifically uh, that they can help those that they love. Maybe save even our own life. Uh, There's so many reports along these lines, but the saddest that I read was a Walmart employee who was directed by her supervisor to ensure that everyone had a mask on. Tells a customer coming in to put a mask on. Ended up being knifed and attacked for asking someone to put a face mask on. Really? Has, it, has, it, have we, has our society and culture so degenerated that, that that's taking place? Even even as cases are climbing, even here in Ridgecrest? You know, COVID-19 is, is not a hoax. It will be with us by all estimations, even with the vaccine through 2021. We lost a quarter of a million people it, the numbers are racking up how many of us are willing to to wear a face mask for 1 mile oh and then when asked go 2 miles with it isn't that the heart of the message that jesus was bringing out Yeah, i can almost hear the computers clicking off Mouses is being grabbed at this time because we don't we don't like to hear this submission other churches aren't compli- complying you know, during an awful lot of these things, uh, we see demonstrations in crowds with no mask. Uh, when it comes up, it's almost a point of of debate. That a hostility rises in people when we even have these discussions. So uh, here we go. This is these are the commands to Jesus his disciples, and we just need to stop right here. If if you've been watching and you've been listening to this, I would hope that you've been challenged. I've been challenged. Uh, I continue to be challenged regularly, not only just the news, the regulations, and everything taking place, but just where our culture goes and how, how we're losing freedom. And I need to say, be careful. Because there's going to be a lot more regulations, a lot more things coming at us after the first of the year and the inauguration. There's already, if you listen very carefully, at the new administration's agenda... A lot of things are going to happen on immigration, on uh, COVID-19, on taxes, on health care. There's going to be a bunch more coming at us. And and even if you're for them, they're going to restrict us. They're going to change the way we do life. So uh, this is, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no easy way to get at this. This is hard sledding. Uh, commands like being meek That's why only 2% of the people in our country in the United States of America understand biblical Christianity, understand the requirement of loving obedience to everything that Jesus said. So this is hard. Make no mistake. The commands to be meek, this is the foundational to understanding how to follow Jesus. This is how he sets up his kingdom. With the rest of the time, we're going to take a step back and just, we've established the point for those who are still listening, uh, we're going to talk about how that works, why Jesus would do that. We're going to start first by talking about the power of meekness. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? It, it sounds like it. they can't go together. But the truth is, and, and we look at the foundation, Jesus was never weak, He certainly wasn't. He's the creator of the world. Uh, In the beginning he spoke the world into existence. He's a supernatural, eternal, divine being with all power, all wisdom, everything. And he speaks the cosmos into existence. In the beginning he he was the word, he was the logos, he was the wisdom of God that was presented to us. And and he became flesh and he dwelt among us and, and, and he spoke this world, this world into existence. He's God. And, and at one time when they were sending uh, soldiers to capture him, he, he tells Peter who pulls out his sword and lops off uh, Malchus's ear in the garden and Jesus heals it. Uh, but Jesus put that sword away. I have all power. I can call legions of angels to defend me, to take care of me. He chose not to do it. He says, no, no, but how then can the scripture be fulfilled that it must be so? He had to be captured. He had to be taken. Jesus, the eternal God, who had all power, who with the word created the world, had the power to forgive sins, the power to command angels, power to raise the dead, power to command demons out of people. He commanded storms to stop he, he has all power Jesus was did not have a power shortage at all he wasn't deficient in power as he lived here on earth not a lack at all he had all that was there so what did he do how did he do that here's here's power his power personified and goes forward and and as we as we go to the next verse uh, out of Philippians, I, I want you to read the bottom first. The the Greek word for meekness is is a Greek word pros. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Uh, mild of disposition, gentle of spirit, and meekness. Okay, but it's it's not a lack of power. Very important in the Greek concept of the word. Pros or meekness, it was power under control. In other words, power that the person owned was under control. The meek are those who wholly rely on God rather than their own strength to defend them against un- injustice. It's power under control. You know, I, as I read this and studied uh, the Greek word at the time, because I said this was fascinating to me. Uh, I was, I was reading, and there's a Greek scholar named William Barclay, and one of my favorite writers of commentaries. I, I think I read early on in all the Bible studies I did. I always had his book out, but he gave an example of of what it was meant to be meek. He used an example in in contemporary uh, Koinea or Greek of the time that the New Testament is written in. He said there was a an exchange of letters between two people, and one person was talking about this. This powerful stallion horse that, that he had. And, and the comment, his description of this powerful war horse was that this horse was pros. That this horse was meek. Does that mean it didn't have power? No. It was this powerful war horse ready to charge out. But he was trained. At the rider's discretion and the trainer's discretion, that horse had its power under control. It was in the best definition of the word pros. And and that's Jesus Christ with all power, but it's totally under control. Here, let's talk about uh, a little narrative of his life. Jesus existed in the form of God. And yet he didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped. He emptied himself. He, he set aside his divine privileges, the worship of heaven, the safety of heaven, and, and taking the form of a bondservant, a slave, really, of being born in the likeness of men, born in a, to a working class family. Uh, his, his bed becomes a manger. We, we know the story. We're approaching Christmas again. Uh, in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself to becoming to the point of death. death on a cross he, he chose he chose to die on a cross for us, and what was the result of that? Because of his humility, because of his pros, because of his meekness he 's exalted, and his name is above every name at the knee, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth, and every tongue will confess. You see, he didn't do it with military power or even, you know, sending lightning bolts from heaven or or destroying the earth. He did it with humility. He did it with meekness. You know, if you, if we recognize the process that that took place there, uh, he had all power. He chose not to use it when he was on the cross. When people were mocking him, making fun of him. Uh, as he was dying to pay for our sins, he prayed for the people. He went the extra mile, to say the least. He reached out and saved sinners. As he was as he was beaten, stripped naked, nailed to a cross, he humbly accepted this. And, and at any time he could have he could have come off that cross, he could have stopped the world, the physical world of existence. You know, he he even reached out to the thieves on the cross next to him when he was there. You know, this is, this is our God. This is our plan. And oh, by the way, he gives us an example to follow. One of the most powerful verses in the idea of meekness inside of our lives uh, comes from his, the apostle Peter who was with him at that time. He says, uh, for it is a gracious thing then uh, it's a gracious thing when mindful of God one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Now let's get the word unjustly. Not because we've done something wrong. Not because we're obnoxious. Not because of our attitude. Not because of something that we've done. When we suffer unjustly then okay uh, when one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is there when we sin and we're beaten, when we suffer for doing stupid stuff? we acting like a bozo or bozette. You know, when, when if and when we, we do good, we suffer for it and endure. It's a gracious thing in the sight of God. So as we, as we carry out uh, uh, regulations, things that we're supposed to do, as, as Christians around the world are being, are being tortured they're being killed. Unspeakable atrocities are being perpetrated against them. He says, this is, this, you're doing everything right. He said, you're following Christ's example. Because here's what he said. When Christ was on the cross, for you've been called because Christ also suffered for you. What? Leaving us an example so that we might follow in his steps. He committed no sin; neither any deceit was found in his mouth. He didn't threaten. While he was bearing our sins on the cross, as we went forward, this is this is Christ dying for us. He endured such hostility against sinners, you know. So this is our thing, by the way. Out of. The, the next verse that's there is comes out of Hebrews and it says as you consider Jesus, as you consider His suffering and His hostility against Him, don't grow weary, don't faint as you do that because we have not, this is kind of challenging, we haven't suffered to the shedding of blood. Other people around the world are. We haven't, and by the way I don't think we've seen anything as to what's coming at us in the future. You know, so this is Christ's nature, and we're asked to abide in and follow. Now, just a side note, the difference here is between human nature, my natural nature, what I'm born with, what you're born with, my nature, and then the nature of the Holy Spirit that would, would come and dwell inside of us as we, as we live our lives out. This is, there's nothing in my natural self that's meek. Uh, in fact, it's just the opposite uh, my, my human nature and God nature they, they battle each other inside of me and I have to choose which one I want to follow the truth about human nature is that my heart is wicked you know again in, in our modern age and our time uh, this words from Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all else it's desperately sick who can understand it And and Jesus, when he was talking, he talks about out of our hearts comes evil, Uh, ungodly acts uh, come out, sexual immorality, murders, all these things, uh, deeds of greed, wickedness, all of these things come out of our lives. This, This pours out of us. This is human nature. You know, a lot of people reject that. Uh, they, they say we 're really good people, but no that's that 's not what the bible says that 's not what human nature shows and that 's not what the news shows that 's not what all honest study studyers of people and humanity uh, that was that was that that we We do fall short we do find that that 's the truth about human nature inside of our lives you know uh in in his classic book. Uh, which I recommend for everyone, is A.W. Tozer, uh, The Pursuit of God. He said that there's something that separates us from God. It's a veil. It's something that that our nature keeps us from God. He says it's the veil, and it's the veil of self. It's the veil of things of, uh, in 2020, the things that we often pride, self-love, self-esteem, self-righteousness, but It goes into self-pity, self-consciousness, self-sufficiency, self-admiration, self-justification, self-indulgences, self-actualization, self-promotion, self-centeredness. This focus on self is human nature. The world orbits around us. When When events take place, we really are concerned about how they affect me. How they affect us personally. And, and we define and we come up with our own personal truth, personal morals. We live our, we live our lives focused on our needs and our wants in our relationship. You know, uh, there's this, this hunger for human power and power to control ourselves, protect ourselves, and sadly, to control other people. You know, because we use human power in our relationship. One of the verses that that uses this word meekness again uh, comes out of James 1.19. Know this, beloved brother, that every person should be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. One of my anger verses that I memorized. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, let all filthiness and rampant wickedness uh, and receive with meekness this word of Christ, receive with meekness the implanted word that's able to save our souls. This is the challenge that we face, the anger of man, the power of man. How do we manifest ourselves? Well, there's several ways. And I've been counseling relationships, uh, marriage and family for over 40 years. Here's what happens in a relationship. People will use physical power even to the point of physical abuse and injury of the other person to get their way, to control them, to, to not let them be controlled. Uh, financial power, we bribe, we buy others, uh, we deny finances to punish people in relationships. The emotional power of anger, tears, silence, the kill, the silent killer, uh, the look. Jealousy, unforgiveness, rejection. Mental power of twisting facts and logic, uh, of getting people to, to do what we want them to do. Verbal power of just arguing, debating, volume of words. Unbiblical, spiritual power. Too many, too many people that consider themselves Christians use the Bible as a club to manipulate other people. This is, this is, this is the power that's, that's inside of each of us. So know this, that that's not God's way. Uh, that's the anger and the control of man you know the the world is very different in its nature from Christ and his nature you know the the application out of this is is challenging so so please i'm I have to be honest very few people can accept this i said earlier only 2% of the people in our country can do this the way is is very narrow and it's hard it is hard to follow God's command with human nature and stuff inside of us wanting to push back against authority the gate is very narrow Uh, now on the other side the way of the world the pushing back, the griping, the complaining the post on uh, Facebook and tweets and everything else that takes place inside of our culture it's wide many of those that enter it uh, and so it's easy to follow God's way is hard and and really, that's been the point that I, I wanted to bring about this, as, as we as we talk about it. Pick the narrow way. Be part of count, being countercultural. Going against the norm that's here. When asked to go one mile, go two. Go two joyfully, as we do that. Again, blessed, blessed are the meek that will inherit the kingdom of God. When persecuted for righteousness' sake. You know, we don't turn around and push back and fight back. We maintain the knowledge, the complete knowledge that God is still in charge. He's still allowing things to take place in our life. He's allowing the COVID. He's allowing the economic stuff. He's allowing the restrictions that our governments are putting on us. He's allowing that as we go. The way to follow that is to be radical, to be countercultural. To be absolutely against human nature. How do I do that? We've said this I think almost every week in this series. We can't do it. I, I humanly cannot follow Jesus' commands that he laid out in the Sermon on the Mount. I, I can't follow the humility, the meekness, all of those things. There's only one way that I can do that. I have to become a Christian. I have to change my nature for God's nature. I I have to be crucified with Christ and lay my life down out of love for him who laid his life down for me. This is such simple verses and so challenging. But this is this is how we get a new nature. You know if you're listening in and you're you're still on board here, uh that's the challenge. Do we see the meekness growing inside of our lives? Do we see the willingness to turn the other cheek, to love our enemies, to go the extra mile with a good attitude? Not just going the extra mile at work or at home or in a marriage or a relationship, grumbling and disputing, but going the extra mile with joy inside, inside of our lives because we're, we're doing what Christ would do in our situation. Have we been crucified with Christ? So, listen, to what happens when we do that? If I if I lay my life down which I chose to do for Christ it's no longer I who live Christ can now live in me and the life I'm living I am living by faith and serving the God that loved me you know the this leaves nothing out as as Jesus talks to his disciples if you want to come after him deny himself deny our human nature take up our cross, and it's not a one and done deal, by the way. It, wasn't, it isn't with me or anyone else. We die daily. We take up our cross daily. Our, we have to put aside those natural human feelings of resistance and anger and it's not fair and our pity parties and all of those things. We have to put that aside. And and we have to turn each of those things. And he says, "For whoever would save his life, you want to save part of it. You want to push back. You want this one area. They i 'I'm going to keep that.' Uh, whoever whoever does that, you're going to lose your life. And what does it profit us if that happens? You know, the last thing, and and this is really a choice that we get to make. It it comes out of Romans 12. We're we're told clearly, don't take revenge. Let God do that. Let God take care of, of revenge. If revenge is there, or so, if someone needs to be corrected, it's not our job to do that with anger and deceit and, and, and pushing back on them. God says, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. If He, says, he tells us, that, here's, that, here's those kind of verses you go, this is where you thin the, thin the crowd. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he searched, to give him something to drink. For by doing so, you really will convict him. One of the most convicting things that can happen to us when we have been obviously mean to someone and they show grace and mercy. That's what Christ did on the cross. He showed grace and mercy to those who deserved no mercy and no grace. But here's our choice. As we live our lives, as we're wronged, we can be overcome by evil. If someone is angry at me, I can go back with anger. If someone hurts me, I can go back with hurt. If these things happen, or I can be meek. And, and I can strive to overcome their evil with good. You see, that's what Christ did. He could have done all sorts of things, and he chose to do the hardest thing. He died for us. He showed the epitome of meekness. The one with all power made the complete sacrifice for our sake. And, and we're called to follow him in that. Uh, gentleness of spirit, meekness with our, with our power under control. Join me in prayer, please. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus Christ who sets an example who speaks truth into our lives. And Lord, it pushes against the, so much of our nature. But if we take a step back and, and we look at those people around us that walk in meekness, we admire them. We, we see the fruit in their life of peace and kindness, love, and joy. Give us the wisdom to walk that narrow path. We thank you that by your Spirit, You'll live through us and bring that about. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.